Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering the topic of the Nintendo Switch Essentials. My name is Jules and today our party members are... Mateo, Dino, and Joe. Whether you're joining our adventures from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to give us a like or a follow. Now let's get this adventure rolling. So this will be the conclusion of our console essentials series um, as it is now. We may do more later down the line, but as was envisioned by Mateo early on when we started with our NES essentials, this will be the um, final installment for the foreseeable future. So with that being said, because it's a pretty big episode, we are going to skip our icebreaker and our housekeeping today and get right to the big topic. Now, for those of you who are joining us, Our Console Essentials series has been a series where we determine the five essential games of each console. We have been doing this for Nintendo consoles exclusively up till this point, and this will mark the end of our Nintendo console series essentials. What is an essential game, you might ask? Well, an essential game is a game that embodies that system. It's a game that you just can't miss. It's a game that you still have access to, which on the Switch, anything you still have access to. And we'll go from there. Now, just because Nintendo Switch is a very different system than some of the classic Nintendo systems in terms of what it has available and how our technology has developed, we do have a couple new rules. So we will be considering games as they would be if you were to buy them today. What that means is we are including any updates that have been made to the game up until this point as part of our consideration for the game. However, we are not considering anything that would need to be purchased as downloadable content or expansions. So for example, if we are looking at Animal Crossing, we are looking at the updates that have happened up until this point, but we are not including um, the Happy Home DLC. That is an example of that. The other consideration we had for this um, system is there are third-party games, and there are third-party games that started as Switch exclusives and later became multi-plats. So how are we handling that? Well, if a game started as a timed exclusive, we will consider it as long as the versions that came out later were not enhanced or changed or became the better version. So for example, Dragon Quest XI-S was an exclusive to Nintendo Switch for a while, Um, But because it was later brought to PS4 and Xbox One, where it was enhanced, um, especially graphically, the Nintendo Switch version is no longer the best version of that game, so it will no longer be considered for this list. However, um, other games that started as timed exclusives, where their, their ports later on match the same level as the Nintendo Switch, we will consider those games. Finally, any third-party games that are multi-plat that came to the Switch later um, that are just straight-up multi-plat will not be considered. The games that we are considering are only exclusives and timed exclusives, um, where the timed exclusives are still um, the best versions of the game. Um, and with that, I think we are ready to start. So just to let everybody know, we will each be nominating four games. We'll have a short list of 16 games, and then we will deliberate those games and find your five Switch Essentials. I will begin by nominating my first game. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with the big one um, that I'm sure is on everybody's mind, which is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is quite possibly not only the best game on Nintendo Switch, but quite possibly the best game of the last 10 years. It is completely revolutionary for what The Legend of Zelda is. It is both a brand new, fresh start for the series, as well as this beautiful, 
love letter to everything that came before it like somehow was able to create its own identity as a zelda game while also having bits and pieces of every other zelda game that has come before it it has limitless potential for what you can do as we are still seeing on youtube and other video platforms now in terms of the physics engines in terms of what you can do with the runes the game itself and the story is incredibly strong it's incredibly atmospheric the music is masterfully done because it's unlike anything we had really seen up until that point and it really reinterprets this idea of an open world game because it is more open than i feel any open world game i've ever played um, in terms of how it doesn't really make you go anywhere it gives you a general sense of some things you can do um, while also keeping everything that does happen very connected because i feel like with other open world games like skyrim and the witcher while i've enjoyed them Ultimately, everything that's not tied to the main quest feels very separate from it, whereas I feel what The Breath of the Wild does very well is even though something is a side quest, um, it doesn't feel like it's not connected to the overarching plot. It doesn't feel like I'm doing something completely different. It does feel like everything is connected, though some things are optional. Um, and then there's just a vast amount of content in that game, um, from the shrines to the Korok seeds to the main Divine Beast quests. And overall, just it was a killer launch game for the Nintendo Switch, and it set such a precedent for the system. And I just wanted to open by acknowledging it as the first game I want to throw onto our nomination list. Obviously, Breath of the Wild is this amazing game that revolutionized the Zelda series and open world games in general but there's one game that's also very important that also brought back a genre and the 3d platformer had been dead for years prior to super mario odyssey and man did it come back with a bang mario odyssey i think is the greatest 3d mario game period it's the sequel that to mario 64 that we never got that we always wanted i couldn't have been more excited for that game it was announced and released within the same year. It was part of that amazing 2017 that Nintendo had in the Switch launch year. That game's music is fantastic, and it, all the worlds feel so different. They're all masterfully crafted. The capture mechanic is this crazy idea that Nintendo had that worked so well, how Mario can become enemies, it can become environmental objects, and they all, like, it's essentially the traditional Mario power-up, but on steroids. I'm not a proponent for sequels for 3D Mario games. Like, Galaxy 2 is fine and all, but Odyssey deserves a sequel just because they didn't even scratch the surface for what that feature could do. And just, they brought Pauline back in such a fantastic way. New Donk City is so awesome. I can't say enough good about Mario Odyssey. It's my favorite game on the system. Look at all the 3D platformers have, that have come out since then and have been announced that are going to come out. It's something that was so special that was gone for so long, and Mario Odyssey just blew the doors down again and just showed what this genre can be. So Mario Odyssey is my first nomination. My nomination would have to be Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's the definitive Smash game, and when you think of any Nintendo system, a lot of the memories that you probably have as a kid, if you're... You know, around our age and watching or listening to this podcast, but a lot of the memories you have are beating your friends at Smash or like learning about new unlockable characters in Melee, like leaving your game on for 24 hours to unlock Mewtwo. Um, <laughs> and yeah, 
<laughs> those are the good old days. And I think Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is the closest that we probably may ever come to the glory days of playing Smash as a kid. And it being the ultimate version, having you know that tagline, everyone is here, as well as having uh, the World of Light adventure mode. Looking at it just as a game itself, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate would have to be my first pick. Smash Bros. Ultimate is is like the best bang for your buck i'd say like the name is ultimate right so even looking at our the rules of our list and yes you, you have the option to buy all this dlc but you don't need it you it just makes the game even better but just you need one dlc itself. character Be from mine Sora. Yeah. you're right you need banjo if you could shell yep. out the five dollars for banjo your experience was even greater no, but in all seriousness, though, the, the fact that they could pack all that into a, the cost of a game is absolutely insane. There's so much music, so many things, so many landmarks for, like, crossovers that happened with that game. Mm-hmm. We tip our hat to you, Sakurai. I guess my turn to, to nominate something right now. And I will say that very solid choices so far from everyone, somewhat predictable. I do want to go a little bit more unpredictable for my next pick here just because I kind of want to like stir the pot a little bit. I'm not sure if this comes as too much of a surprise, but ever since Giuliano lent me Octopath Traveler, I do think that this is the best place to play it because you can pick it up and bring it with you wherever you go. And it kind of started off HD 2D or like kind of like a pop-up book kind of style. And I have not really been a person to play too many traditional uh, JRPGs. Okay, yeah, I, I played a little bit of uh, Dragon Quest XI, absolutely loved it, but Octopath brought me back to the days of, like, classic Final Fantasy, and, like, from the NES era, Super Nintendo era, and it it was such a breath of fresh air, having all the different job systems, the game just gave you so much freedom, the storytelling was great, and it also delved into, like, more darker tones and more mature uh, themes and everything in there as well, whether you're trying to, like, free yourself from this oppressive dent studio manager if you're playing as primrose or uh you're just a warrior looking for something to do after the fall of his kingdom there's a little bit in that game for everyone and it was just such a fun and unique experience that inspired this whole hd 2d rpg pop-up book kind of genre and i i don't know if i'm giving it the right name with that, but Octopath is great. A very, very, very good choice, Gino. And I thoroughly agree with that choice. I think it's one of the best like RPGs I've played in recent memory. And it did start on Switch. Like, sure it's on other things now, but it was on Switch. And it was made for Switch. And actually, fun fact, Nintendo published it. Also, another fun fact, neither of us actually finished it because the final boss yep. was just ridiculous. <laughs> just way too hard. But to be fair, yep. technically the final boss of that game is considered optional. Really? Yeah, because technically that quest at the end is considered to be a side quest. I guess I'm next. I'm also going to veer more into... Like, I think there's still some obvious ones, but I don't want to say all the obvious ones yet. So I'm going to veer into a different territory with the one I want to say next, which might be a little bit less conventional, but I do want to be the one to talk about this one because I I really firmly believe it should be on this shortlist, which is Mario Party Superstars. All I can really say when nominating this game is everything Joe said, but apply it to Mario Party instead of Smash Bros. Like It is the pinnacle of everything that is Mario Party. Like I find that Switch is a system of both 
redefining series and also celebrating them. And like Mario Party Superstars is such a celebration of Mario Party. Like I still can't believe that game exists. Like I've played since it's launched. I've played like exclusively that game, and I I've had fun every single time. And like the amount of mini games that are in that like in the game are great. The way that it's supported online, and I just think it's just phenomenal what they did with it. From the menuing being reminiscent of the older games to them kind of throwing in some some newer things from like the modern Mario parties to kind of freshen up the formula. Um, and I don't even feel starved for a new Mario Party game. Like, I, I really just feel like I can sustain myself on that one for a long, long time because it's just so well done. I mean, it has such a wide variety of options. And every single time I play, I feel like the variables are so different because there are more mini games than you're used to. And a lot of them are familiar ones. In general, like, I think it's like the perfect Mario Party game. So I want to yeah nominate that one solid choice i didn't even think about nominating that one but i'm happy that you said it it took nintendo like 15 years to realize that people like the n64 games the best and what a way to celebrate the mario party series than just to basically root the game with the n64 content if only they could get the n64 controller to work with it i think i might follow you and gino's trend and go with one of my more bizarre picks actually i don't even think this is a bizarre pick i'm sure someone else has it as well but i'm gonna pick a game that had no business being as good as it was and when we first heard about it when it leaked we were like what the heck there's this game is gonna tank it's what a terrible idea whatever but mario plus rabbits kingdom battle this game like i said had no business being as good as it was and the fact that like a Mario game that's sort of like a tactical RPG with the Rabbids characters that I'm sure like n- none of us could stand prior to this game being released and us playing it worked. The boss designs of like the crossovers with the the Rabbids like there's there's Boario, Boaluigi, and the Donkey Kong or Rabbit Kong like that that's so awesome. And then the music, Grant Kirkhope, the Banjo Kazooie composer. I ha- I I have to always mention Banjo Kazooie when I can, but he composed this game and the rendition of peach's castle from super mario 64 that he did is so fantastic this game truly is a crossover between the two series there's equal parts mario and rabbits in the game which i actually really appreciate because i always thought oh it's just going to be mostly mario but no and mario's using weapons and stuff like that's something we normally never get to see there's multiple playable characters and the rabid peach is just a, a walking meme like she she has so many memeable moments and fantastic moments in that game. She's she's truly a funny character. The amount of different types of strategies you can use, like there's there's no wrong way to play this game. And even without the Donkey Kong DLC, which is fantastic, the game is still a really really good package. So I highly recommend this game. See, this is one that I didn't even think about, but I'm glad you said it because it is mm-hmm. a fantastic game. And you're right, like completely came out of nowhere. It's still a game actually I need to play. And I've I've heard very, very, very good things. And I do remember when it leaked and thinking like, what a weird concept. Like that doesn't sound like it'll do well. And clearly it has done well. And clearly I yep. said it's really good. It's always on sale on the eShop. You can get like the gold edition with the of the game that has the Donkey Kong DLC for like twenty bucks. It's a steal. It'll have to be something that possibly I pick up. I gotta do the controversial one next. Naughty Bear for no I'm kidding. What I would probably <laughs> pick. <laughs> What I probably would pick would be, it's still controversial, but in my opinion, the essential Pokemon game to play on Switch 
would probably be Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Interesting. Yeah, this is probably not the most popular opinion, but just hear me out. If you are buying a Switch and you're our age, you want that nostalgia. And in my opinion, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu brings you the nostalgia of Kanto in such a pure and fun form that both it's like recognizing the old things that you used to love about you know, Gen 1, while also kind of freshing it up a little bit with the capture mechanic with throwing the ball. And also, that was our first time seeing just kind of Pokemon wandering in the open world and, like, going shiny hunting with something that was so exciting, which now we're a little bit spoiled with Legends Arceus, which we'll get to, I'm sure, later. If so, no one else brings it up, I will be. But just seeing that for the first time was really magical. Now, compare it to, say, if you're, you know... A younger kid getting a switch for the first time let's go eevee and pikachu is probably one of the most accessible pokemon games that you can play so it has both something for the very casual pokemon fan in terms of even just being a newbie at pokemon to even the hardcore fan of kind of bringing that nostalgia so that's why in my opinion uh let's go eevee and let's go pikachu should be on the list Honestly, I do not disagree with you. Especially prior to Legends Arceus, I did feel like it was the definitive Pokemon experience on on Switch. Uh, continuing this train of Pokemon excellence, outside of the main series games, I want to say another sleeper title that I feel like needs to be mentioned. I'm not sure if it will be one of like the main contenders, but I do have to say New Pokemon Snap was a real breath of fresh air. Again, going back to the nostalgia of playing the original Pokemon Snap, on the Nintendo 64, the spinoff being completely dormant for the better part of almost, like, what, 20 years? Mm -hmm. And the way we get it back, I view this Pokemon here as the true HD Pokemon game, the first one, really, because all the animations in that game were just so well done. You can really get all the sense of the Pokemon's personalities and things. Mateo and I spent the better part of a week going through that game, taking all the pictures, going through the courses over and over again, trying to find little secrets and things. And we were genuinely excited to go and play Pokemon Snap and just take pictures. Every time we saw the Waylord just scream at the Pukumuku was hilarious and it would go flying. (laughs) (laughs) Something about it. It wasn't like overly in your face with this is clearly like an on-rails kind of experience, like because it was an on-rails experience, but you didn't really feel like it was because there were alternate paths. There were different interactions. Like if you interacted with a Pokemon at the very beginning of a level, you might see it like do something about halfway through, and then you can interact with it again, and then you might be able to get a third interaction somewhere else without spoiling too, too much. The, um, what were the, um, the uh, ancient Pokemon's? Those ones are there. There's like six of them in the game, and like you yeah, never expect to see the giant Meganium. And like these are all Pokemon that you really wouldn't expect to see, like having this sense of like awe and power about them. So it kind of subverted expectations that way. And it was great to see them kind of like as boss stage, which was really interesting because like how would you do that in any Pokemon game, right? The, the the story was well done, the pacing was good, the gameplay was fantastic, and it was just good, classic fun. It, it came at the right time. So I will add my kind of selfish choice, because I know I'm the only one who can mention this game, um, but I think it should be on the list nonetheless, and it probably would have been one of my choices even um, if everybody else had played it, but I'd like to mention Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Now, I was a very big fan of Xenoblade Chronicles. Not as big of a fan of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Now, 
what was interesting was when I played Xenoblade Chronicles again, like adored that game. It became one of my favorite games of all time. And it fueled this like massive hype for at the time, what was known as X and then became Xenoblade Chronicles X. And I had this massive hype cycle for that game. And that game was so disappointing for me. I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but for me, it was disappointing. To the point that when Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was announced, I was not excited. At no point in the lead-up to that game coming out um, did I care for it. In fact, I was debating whether or not I would even buy it right away. Skipped out on the limited edition controller, skipped out on the collector's edition, because I was like, "Mm, whatever. I don't know if they can do it again, because clearly Xenoblade Chronicles X wasn't a, a... very good and i was completely blown away when i played a game that was definitely on par with the first game and for a lot of people arguably better they improved and changed a lot of the mechanics from the first game the art style was very different in terms of it approaching in a more anime type um style um but i really actually enjoyed that change and now i'm i'm enjoying how they've kind of brought that into the main xenoblade games with definitive edition and now looking at xenoblade 3 they're kind of like keeping that i really enjoyed the gotcha system in the game because I love gotcha systems. I just don't like putting money into gotcha systems. So it was the best of both worlds. I love that feeling of like anticipation of will I pull the blade that I want and look at all these characters. And then the other thing that was just brilliant about it as a a JRPG fan was all of the characters, all of the blades were designed by famous JRPG artists. And as somebody who really loves JRPGs, I could see the influences like right away when I encountered the main villains. I was like, these characters feel like they're from Kingdom Hearts. And then lo and behold, I find out that Tetsuya Nomura designed them. Like the literal character designer for Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy designed those characters. And then you see other characters that are designed by other um, very well-known JRPG artists and designers. And so it also was kind of a celebration of jrpgs um so i really enjoyed that game i think it's incredible there's not much i can say about it other than it's very long it's very full of content the story is really good the characters are really great gameplay is really solid and and you know it's fun having a gotcha mechanic in my opinion yeah so another amazing switch game best in its series probably that we can all agree on i think is fire emblem three houses this game was such a home run. It came at the right time, and it was the, it was one of those games that just made us want to play it constantly, and we all got into it, and that was actually such a fantastic experience. But for the game itself, it's your typical Fire Emblem gameplay in terms of like the tactical RPG, but it added the school, Garrick Mock Monastery, and that addition to Fire Emblem worked so well you got to know your party members and even like the other characters from the other sides that you didn't play as. You got to know them really, really well. You could recruit them. And the storytelling in that game was phenomenal as well because you had three separate routes that you could pick depending on which house you affiliated with. And there's essentially, you could play that game three times and you can have a completely different experience in all three of those playthroughs. And just in terms of Replay value alone, that is fantastic. The storytelling, the cinematics, the music. Oh my God, the music is... I I always mention music because music is such an important part of video games. And 
man, is it, it's phenomenal in this game. Like I cannot stress that enough. The sprite art is fantastic. Like there's everything is done so well. It truly is the, the greatest fire emblem game. And that's coming from someone who adores awakening. Like this game truly is the next step up of fire emblem. It's a common theme with this system where it's, arguably has the greatest installment from all these different franchises and fire emblem is no exception from that like i'm going to be in a fire emblem mood eventually when the muso game comes out later this year but i'm sure someone else has something else to say about it. i don't want to hog the the fire emblem time i'll go i don't even like fire emblem i dislike fire emblem immensely i bought every fire emblem game could never get into it and that was the first fire emblem game that not only did i get through but i was absolutely hooked on it like, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yep. I had no life when that game came out, and similar to Xenoblade, I was so burnt on Fire Emblem Fates that I was not excited for that game in the slightest, and it blindsided me how unbelievable it was to the point that after I finished the game, like, I completely finished the game and had already purchased it at $80, I saw the special edition go up, and I bought it again. Me too. <laughs> And I don't think I've ever done that for a game before. Like, even now, like, thinking about that game, I'm like, damn, I really need to go back and finish the other couple routes. Because I did finish, if you include the Ashen Wolves, I completed three of the five routes. And, like, still, like, there's more for me to see, and I'm excited for the day that I get to go back and do it. Like, yeah, brilliant cast of characters. All right, I guess I will do my next pick. And I want to pick a Mario sports game. And if it was my way, I would be picking the new Super Mario Strikers game although it's not out. And also our list caps out at a Pokemon Legends Arceus, so can't pick Strikers, although I wish I would, and I recommend all you listeners to make sure that you go out and buy it. But I guess the next best Mario sports game that I would pick would probably be Mario Golf Super Rush. Now, again, this is kind of a game that when it was announced, I thought, oh, yeah, it looks cool. And then it came out, and it kind of was just like during a downtime of not there being a lot of games out, so I decided to play it. And again, it just hooked me, and it was just so fun. Like, it was such a fun game to be able to play. I know that they've added, I'm pretty sure, some more characters. So if you're just jumping in now, you actually have even more characters to pick from. And the speed golf mode, which I didn't think I would enjoy at all, and I just thought, oh, I just want to play something like Toadstool Tour and the GameCube. Speed golf was actually seriously fun. And it just, the whole game really took me by surprise. I wish that, you know... Well, at least when I played it at launch, there was some more variations in the courses and stuff. But overall, it probably would be the best Mario Golf game that Nintendo's made since Toadstool Tour. And I hold Toadstool Tour very, very highly in terms of Mario sports games. So if I have to pick a Mario sports game, which I would like to on this list, I would really recommend Mario Golf Super Rush. That's the thing. Like when Mario Golf first came out, it's one of those games where it's like I I played it, had a lot of fun, and then something else came out, and I just I I didn't get back to finishing, but I wish I did because you guys were having such a fun time with it. Mm-hmm. But speaking of games that we've also had a lot of uh, fun with recently, and also this is the last game that's eligible for this list here. I want to put another Pokemon game up on the um on the essentials list here, and this is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Such a breath of fresh air. Um, you can listen to us talk about it in depth a little more by uh, clicking on the link here. All of the things that we really cared and love to say in detail were there. But just to paraphrase it, um, such a breath of fresh air uh, for the Pokemon series. You're helping out the Galaxy Squad uh, build the first Pokedex for the Hisui region, later known as the Sinnoh region. 
and you're just helping get the first human settlements into place into this region and you're discovering pokemon for the first time there you get to see special versions of familiar pokemon that we've seen in the past fan favorites uh they have new uh, evolutions you're helping tame these wild uh alpha pokemon and uh, these lord or these noble pokemon sorry i should say and, and there's just this uh this whole mystery surrounding the game and it really focuses in kind of like how pokemon uh, let's go did with the catching mechanic where you're like humans and pokemon don't really interact with each other all that much until recently within this game's time period and you're among some of the first trainers out there and you're you're going out you're catching these pokemon you're learning about them you're fill, you're filling in this pokedex and you have to complete all these little tasks and it never really feels like a chore and it always feels like the game is rewarding the work that you put into it and honestly like it's a time machine this game <laughs> right you go in and you you play it and then holy cow 3 hours have gone by and you don't feel really like you've wasted a lot of time because like okay i've done this i've accomplished this and there's just so many like fan servicey kind of like easter eggs and nods to previous um games the music is fantastic the remixes that we had of the gen 4 music uh that was put into this game here was absolutely fantastic and honestly i want to say gen 4 probably is my favorite generation of pokemon even though it wasn't my first like I've been playing Pokemon since Gen One, and the only one that I have this level of attachment, like besides the Gen One, is Gen Four. And this game was, this was the remake of Gen Four. Yeah, we got Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, but this is what Game Freak chose to work on, and I'm glad they did. And just like finding a Pokemon that, like we all know every Pokemon, but I didn't know the entire Pokedex going into it, and just seeing like, holy crap, there's a Staraptor. Holy crap. There's a Rhydon, like, it was an event seeing every single Pokemon in that game, like, seeing where they're spread out in the world, and, like, some are rarer than others, and, like, shiny hunting in that game is so fun. There's so many awesome little details in that game that are so fantastic, that really enhance the experience, and that attention to detail is what really makes this game special. Legend of Arceus, again, like, very similar to, like, what I said was Xenoblade and Fire Emblem, like, really was going into that game not expecting much and was so pleasantly surprised. And I'm still pretty hooked on it. So kudos to Pokemon Company for doing something new. Yeah, it, it just goes to show that you don't need all thousand Pokemon. The, one that, the ones that you pick, and if they're meaningful and there's enough attention to detail, doesn't matter. Agreed. Well put. Okay, so I'm having a tough time now because now we're on our last round of nominations. And I know that we should just be mentioning what we want, but I'm a gambling man. And there's a certain game that I feel should be on this list, but I'm getting nervous it's not going to get said. So I'm not going to be the one to say it. I'm just going to live with the consequences. My final nomination. No, I can't do it. Okay, I'm going back. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't risk it. Because if this game is on this list, literal crimes would be committed. And I'm definitely surprised it hasn't been said by now, but Animal Crossing New Horizons is the epitome of all things Animal Crossing. It is the soul-sucking, time-consuming savior of the pandemic life. That game was just such a social feat of creating infrastructure for friends, for colleagues for everything beyond like the amount of people i connected to through animal crossing is like countless well it's not countless i can count it but i didn't i didn't count it it's enough that i can't remember the number 
anyway, there's so much content in that game. It's not the same kind of content that's in the previous Animal Crossing games. Like, I know like there were a lot of criticisms about cut content, but I really just don't feel like those criticisms have a lot of credibility when it comes to Animal Crossing New Horizons because it's not a matter of cut content. It's a matter of different content. And it's like saying that um, content was cut from Breath of the Wild. It's not that things were cut. It's that things were interpreted differently. And the fact that it reinterpret Like, it gave you complete customization over everything. It created a new age of Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing was a sim before where you just lived a life in a town, a random town. You dropped in, you played a role. And that was great. And you know what? The series developed in that structure for so long that I really didn't know after New Leaf how they were going to approach it next and keep it fresh. But they found the way to do it. And it was complete customization. Like, from every piece of the land to the buildings to the villagers themselves like you had complete agency in how you develop this island there was so much to do so many things to discover so many unique ways to play um so many options for customization not just with pre-made things but also with the enhanced editing tools and like i just think it's an incredible feat that nintendo was able to create a game like that it's just insane the amount of variety in that game and the amount of fun I had with that game and the amount of people that just invested in that game. Like, like I know people who would have never touched a game like animal crossing who poured thousands of hours into that game. I saw people's towns that were just like insane works of art. And that was all created through animal crossing. And while I know animal crossing is a very, different game in the sense that it's only as good as you are like creative and as you are like willing to like really put yourself into it i still think there's something to be said about those experiences and i really do feel like animal crossing new horizons is one of the best games to come out this generation um and probably one of the most important games to come out in the last 10 years just for its pure correlation to this pandemic that we're still living through Right, like those early stages of pandemic were really difficult for a lot of people because social connection was completely cut off. And I genuinely don't know what the pandemic for me and for a lot of people I know would have been like um, had that game not come out when it did. So I think that game absolutely deserves to be on this list. I'm in the very similar boat. There's like four games I want to say, but I can only pick one. I got to go with my game of the year from last year. And that's Metroid Dread. We thought Metroid Dread was dead. It was forgotten on the DS, never seen, never played, like never, only in an article. Like it was a game of, it was a mythological game. Like it didn't exist anymore. But Nintendo just brought it out. And to boot, it's the final chapter of this fantastic series of games. And Mercury Steam are building off of what was an amazing game on 3DS and Samus Returns. And the title says it all. You feel there's a sense of dread when you play this game because Samus can be KO'd by the Emmy bots and the music is so ambient and the world is just... it. Samus does feel alone and that's what... The atmosphere of Metroid is so important to the experience of that game, at least the 2D games. And this is definitely one of the greatest 2D Metroid games, if not arguably the greatest 2D Metroid game and the lore that it adds into the Metroid universe. And like it, yes, it's the end of a story, but it's also the start of a new one. 
and the the additions they made with the gameplay and all the 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 abilities you gain from the Emmys when you defeat them are honestly there, there's something that I didn't feel like they would have fit in a Metroid game like you know having an invisibility ability or a dash whatever I didn't really think that that was something that would fit with Metroid but it did so well and mastering the the controls of that game can get you all these secrets like there's some things that took us forever to do just because we didn't know the controls at the very beginning but you feel like an unstoppable machine at the end of this game with the way samus gets powered up and it has all the classic abilities you knew and love from super metroid and fusion but like they just fit so well into the metroid series and i would really want them to adapt a lot of those into metroid prime series going forward so just metroid dread is is a landmark game for the nintendo switch it's a landmark game for the metroid series and Nintendo showed up to the indie developers that were making all these fantastic Metroidvania games, and they arguably raised the bar again. There's a boss rush mode coming out. There's going to be a lot of Metroid to play in the future, and I think this game that's done for the Metroid series, what Fire Emblem Awakening did for Fire Emblem, this is the probably at this point the best-selling game in the series, and Metroid's going to hopefully become a big Nintendo series because of Metroid Dread. And that's something that is just, it's so fantastic that we can we can actually say that and, and imagine a world in which Metroid is a big Nintendo series. So Metroid Dread is my final nomination. And it was a very, very good game. And honestly, if you didn't mention it, that was going to be the game I was going to mention next. That was going to be the game <laughs> I mentioned next too. <laughs> Dang, you picked the wrong game. <laughs> it clearly deserved to be on the list so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was worried about i was worried all of you had dread prepared and animal crossing wouldn't be said so i had to say it yep. <laughs> yeah. no i i had both of those there's only one game left on my list that hasn't been said actually i kind of feel blessed that i get to talk about it <clears throat> so uh paper mario the origami king i'm a huge huge paper mario fan but i have to clarify that by saying that i'm a huge og n64 paper mario fan and I really did like Thousand Year Door. And I know a lot of people actually put Thousand Year Door above the N64. But um, I was just a huge, huge fan of the OG N64 and the GameCube one. I didn't mind the Wii one, Super Paper Mario. And then it went downhill with Sticker Star. And we just don't talk about Sticker Star. So leading up to Paper Mario, the Origami King, it kind of was a situation for me where I was worried. I guess kind of the same thing that juliano felt with um xenoblade where i kind of had been burnt already once before oh sorry i even forgot the wii u one color splash that one was decent it was decent i'm gonna give you that but it wasn't at the same level so between those two i was already burnt before and wasn't expecting a lot from paper mario the origami king playing through the first bit i was pleasantly surprised that it actually felt like a nice new sort of take on paper mario while keeping all of that great humor I don't know, it just wasn't what I was fully expecting, but in a good way. I wish that it was still more like either Thousand Year Door or the OG Paper Mario. However, if I got to look at all the rest of them, I probably would put Origami King very, very, very close to Super Paper Mario, uh, which is why I would probably have to recommend it. Yeah, Origami King was, yeah, like similar boat to you, Joe. Like is, it had, th- that's another game that's like it was set up to fail in a way but it somehow made it work. And like, it has a lot of similar components to the 
lesser Paper Mario games, but this is the formula of those games at its best. 100%. The, the writing in that game is incredible. Like, for you say what you want about the Paper Mario series in general, but I feel like they've never, the writing in those games have never faltered. They've always been on point. And this game's no exception. And just like the theming of this game, too, is incredible. Like the, the worlds that you you visit, like the I love the Ninja Studio. That's one of my favorite places. And it had like the Donkey Kong and the Metroid Easter egg there. That was really fun. And just music. The boss battles were really cool. How like the, there was a just that extra layer of strategy that the other games have missed. That was a very welcome addition to the game. Like I'm with you. I hope Paper Mario goes back to its traditional roots, like there was in the first two games. But we got to acknowledge the fact that it's still this is still a really really good game it's not exactly what we wanted but it's a start maybe they'll listen to paper mario fans like how nintendo finally listened to mario party fans fingers crossed continuing this kind of burnt by the previous game but this one was pleasantly surprising i gotta say luigi's mansion 3 now don't get me wrong luigi's mansion dark moon was a fun game on on the 3DS, but I wasn't really a fan of the mission by mission kind of style that it took. Kind of it it, it kind of felt like a Mario game in the sense where like okay you go to like World One One, World One Two, and stuff, right? And you're completing all these missions. It didn't feel like the original GameCube game. Luigi's Mansion Three, on the other hand, took all of those power ups and everything from Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon and gave it to us in a Luigi's Mansion One kind of way and I feel like Luigi's Mansion 3 did a really great job. It set up the scenario. Luigi and Co. are going to stay at an all-inclusive hotel resort and then ghost shenanigans ensue. That's enough story that you need to get Luigi with the poltergust on his back to go around and capture all those ghosts and everything. The actual like ghost combat in this game was really refreshing. You're not really standing there for like 40, 50 seconds just like pulling back on your control stick that you would have done in the previous games are actually like Luigi's getting a little bit of muscle here and he's like wrestling around these ghosts, smashing them into things, breaking things. It's actually how you collect some of the collectibles in the game as well. Like you have to get a certain ghost and you have to smash it into this one specific area and then you would get a gem or you discover this new path that you can take. Uh, the elevator mechanic was really, really fun. I did enjoy it. However, it did make the world feel a little smaller and a little more contained, but it's a hotel. You're going to have like 30 floors. Like it makes sense to do it that way. I really like the villain. I really like the final boss in that game. And like even right at the very beginning where Luigi's just like waking up in the middle of the night, everyone's been captured and you just see like King Boo slowly chasing you. And like, it is inherently quite scary. And younger Gino was terrified of the original Luigi's Mansion game. And I can say that. And this is one of those series that I've just grown to love so, so much. And it's kind of like, I feel like Luigi where I've kind of conquered my fears in a certain way. <laughs> and now, like, whenever a new Luigi's Mansion game is announced, I'm really excited because it is fantastic. And even the original, like, going back, like, the visuals of that game on the GameCube were phenomenal. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion 3 was one of the other games that I was debating saying, but... Just one last thing to add, you know, is that Luigi's Mansion 3's characters and like next level games truly is the king at this. And it's even shown in the Mario Strikers trailer that the character animations are fantastic. Luigi, like you can see every emotion Luigi is feeling on his face. The screams, the the terror, the 
the sometimes joy he has. That's why I like Luigi more than Mario's because Luigi is has more than one or two emotions. And the way that Next Level can convey that, even on just like the bland ghosts, is really fantastic. And I'm glad you said it too, Gino, because that is likely the one I would have said had I not said Animal Crossing. So I echo everything you said. Let's get to some honorable mentions. So does anybody have any honorable mentions, some games you maybe wanted to say, or games even that you maybe didn't want to say as nominations, but want to mention from um, the Switch's library? Yes, I do. Untitled Goose Game. It is absolutely amazing. First playable on the Nintendo Switch. It was announced on the Nintendo Switch, and I feel it's the most fun on the Nintendo Switch because uh, it's a mobile version of the game. You can bring it around with you wherever you go, and you can share the chaos with a friend. I only have one honorable mention. If we allow DLC games to be on this list, our nominations be completely different. But I have to say Splatoon 2. It's everything you know and love from Splatoon 1, just with more content. So more stages, more weapons, more characters. Salmon Run is a fantastic mode that they added. And the Octo Expansion DLC is so good. It's arguably the best single-player content in the Splatoon series. So Splatoon 2 is fantastic. Play it. I have three honorable mentions, actually. Most of these I actually didn't consider as nominations. Um, but I still think they should be mentioned. So the first is Cadence of Hyrule. It's a cross between Crypt of the Necrodancer and Legend of Zelda. Um, not the kind of game I would say is an essential game, but still a really fun game on Nintendo Switch. It's like a music-based kind of ed- 2D adventure game. It's really fun, and if you love Zelda and Zelda music, really cool to play. Um, the other one that, again, like I probably wouldn't have considered to put this on the list, but I still think it warrants a mention, is um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I don't want to say it's not good. It is good. But you have to really like beat 'em up games and specifically top down beat 'em up games. Um, but in terms of like if you had played the old Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is so much better than those older games. Like, takes a lot of it inspiration from um, modern MCU, but also throws like X Men and um, Defenders and stuff in there too. There's a big cast of characters, it has a pretty long story, and you know, it's it's a fun game. It's a fun way to just kind of just have fun with your friends. And then the third one I would mention, which is one I did consider nominating, but I wasn't sure if I was going to nominate, is um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Um, I'm a big fan of the Nintendo um, Warriors games. They have been pretty solid, but never would have I ever considered to put one on a list like this until Age of Calamity, because I actually do feel like um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was beyond just a Warriors game. Like, they added a very cool, like, blend of Breath of the Wild mechanics to it. Um, The characters had a lot of detail and a lot of care put into them. The story was, like, very, very interesting, and the way that they approached the Breath of the Wild characters um, was very refreshing and very consistent with how they're portrayed in the the games. And just, like, visually, it was great. And I, I really enjoyed that game and what it did for Zelda. So... Those are my three honorable mentions. Joe, do you have any? I just have one, uh, and it would have to be the Super Mario 3D All-Stars game, which is just more for the nostalgia factor of being able to play through those games. You know, if you don't have the original consoles laying around or never had the original games, uh, it's a great deal, although I think they took it off of the eShop now. It is gone, yes. But uh, it's still probably you could find it very easily in stock at like a local game store or even used. Uh, So that would be my... Uh, honorable mention just because it couldn't be on the list because technically those three games are just remasters in a way oh i just um, thought of speaking one more. Of, oh go I ahead maybe it's yeah. bowser's fury 
Bowser's yep. Fury. Yeah, yep. just because I, I I didn't want to nominate it just because it's okay, it is part of a re-release, but it's its own separate thing. But it wasn't big enough in the sense where it's just like, okay, like you're not sitting down spending a week or two playing that thing. Like Bowser's Fury was more like a few hours experience, albeit it's still very good. It's one of those games that you can play co-op and it's just really fun. But yeah, Bowser's Fury, if you haven't checked it out, please do. And yep. you get Mario 3D World with it too. And it's the best version of 3D World. They made improvements to that game too. Like, they increase the game speed, they online multiplayer, like, all the Captain Toad levels are fantastic in that game. Uh, that's definitely the best way to play 3D World. So, 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, fantastic game. We now have our short list. I count 16. Yeah, we have our short list of 16 games, which means we're ready for deliberation. Um, so, at this point, for those of you who have never listened to a console, Essentials podcast before... What we're going to do is we're going to go through our shortlist and we're going to determine what are the five most essential games from this list. When doing that, we are considering things like, of course, which ones are the, the games that we feel are the most essential here. But we're also looking for something called list diversity, which means like we have three Pokemon games nominated. Might want to take into account um, the idea of like maybe not having three of the five be Pokemon games um, and things like that or genre games. Right? We might not want to have five RPGs or five platformers. So just things to consider um, when we're doing this. Yeah, so I'm just going to remind everybody what our, our actual shortlist is before we get started. But our shortlist consists of 16 games, and they are The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Octopath Traveler, Mario Party Superstars, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Pokemon Let's Go, New Pokemon Snap, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Mario Golf Super Rush, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Metroid Dread, Paper Mario The Origami King, and Luigi's Mansion 3. So, to kick it off, I will start off how we do all the Essentials lists, which is, are there any glaring parts of this list that we can either say, right now, for sure, should go straight onto the Essentials, or for sure, we can drop off of this list and are not contenders for the top five? Um, would anybody like to bring any of those forward? Yes. Breath of the Wild needs to go on instantly. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So there we go. There you have it, mm-hmm. everybody. Um, okay. So we already have one of our five essentials, but let's keep going. No debate needed. <laughs> yeah. No debate needed there. So everybody else, how about, um, is there anything else that we feel should go straight on or anything we feel we should take straight off? I'll pitch one. I'll pitch one to go straight on. And just because trying to keep this list diverse like breath of the wild i'd say is the ultimate single player experience whereas the ultimate multiplayer experience probably would be super smash bros ultimate now you guys may not agree but i heavily think that that is a essential switch title i can see the argument for it hot take i don't think it should be on the list you know it's full of hot takes yep smash should not be on this list i will get into it later well yeah, let's wait i'll get into it later we'll leave it for now we won't throw it straight on that's okay yeah well, I'm going to say, let's look at something that we take straight off, which I'm going to be the first to say, because I'm the only one who can even speak to this game. We're going to take Zablay Chronicles 2 off, because I wouldn't put it in the the five essentials personally, um, and none of you have any opinions on it, so it's gone. Pokemon Snap at least should be gone. Like, there's a lot of games on this list I'm, I see that fit, like, the same mold as new Pokemon Snaps, where they're, like, solid game, but it's not, I don't know if it's like, essential. among, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we're saying that with New Pokemon Snap, are there any other ones like that? I mean, Mm. Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is that as well. 
especially if we don't count DLC. So there's that. I would even put on like Mario Golf, Octopath Traveler. Like there's a lot of games, in my opinion, that fit like that. They're in that same tier of Switch game. Well, I'm not ready to give up on Octopath Traveler quite yet, personally. Yeah. So I I disagree with that one, but I I don't necessarily disagree with Kingdom Battle or Mario Golf. Mario as well. Like they're all fantastic games. And if this was like maybe like a top 10 list, those types of games would be on there. Um, how about you, Joe? How do you feel about Super Rush or Origami King? Do you feel like they're ready? Oh, they should be off. Yeah. Okay. They're great games. However, they're not top five worthy. That's not the first thing I think of when recommending a, a game to a, a friend who just got a Switch. Okay. So we have narrowed this down already quite a bit. So we have Super Mario Odyssey, Smash, Octopath, Mario Party, Let's Go, Three Houses, Legends Arceus, Animal Crossing, Metro Dread, Luigi's Mansion left. Now, the first thing I see here that we can probably look at next is Pokemon. Do we think that this list could or should have two Pokemon games on it? And if not, which one do we continue forward into this deliberation process? So let's just start with that first question. Like, should there be two Pokemon games on a Nintendo Switch Essentials list? Do we feel like Pokemon has a large enough presence on Switch that it should have two spots? Well, it has a large enough presence, but does it does it have two like amazing games and that to me that's no like plain and simple no does it even have one game is the better question i i don't disagree how do you feel about that gino joe i think it has at least one game possibly and i don't think it's let's go joe said it not me okay (laughs) okay um okay so let's go's gone um, so now we have, uh, what is this? We have nine games left to to pick our next four spots. Um, so let's see where we can go from here. I think the next thing to do is maybe to whittle down a few that we feel should be in rather than things that shouldn't be in. So maybe let's try and find things that we can all agree probably should be there before we start knocking things off. Um, so does anybody else feel like there's any games here that should be on this list like the final list i have one that i think we can all agree on fire emblem three houses yes that is a definite shoe uh, yes yep okay we can all agree on fire emblem yeah yep all right that's a, a good one and we'll talk about it more like and that's the thing is like I, I feel like it was already said but like fire emblem three houses should go there because very similarly to zella like it was a game that completely took our lives when it came out and it like redefined the series and like even now some of those characters are some of the most recognizable on switch even though i don't remember any of their names but you remember the main ones you'll never forget claude mitri and edelgard or by i remember edelgard and byleth honestly i forgot claude's name and i forgot blue guy's name but that's besides the point so where do we go from here much as I love Luigi's Mansion 3, it's close. It's so close to being an amazing, like, masterpiece of a game, in my opinion. It's, it just falls short. And I feel like you have to have a game like that to be on this list. Like, the Switch is so fantastic, especially among Nintendo games. But I can't envision seeing Luigi's Mansion in the top five. Like, if the actual, like, hotel tower itself was bigger, I would I would say you're absolutely crazy for taking it off but like i feel like the the playable area inside of the the game itself the gameplay was great the ambience is great and everything just i felt like the, each floor was too small see i actually disagree with both of you to some degree so i i agree that luigi's mansion should not be on this list 
I think it has nothing to do with any flaws that are in the game. I think Luigi's Mansion 3 is the perfect Luigi's Mansion experience. But I think Switch, more so than any console we've ever debated, has the strongest lineup of games that a game like Luigi's Mansion 3, which may have been on the Essentials list on another system, on the Switch, just doesn't cut it. Because the highest caliber of Switch game is so much, the bar is so much higher on the system than it is on other systems because you no longer need to just be a really exceptional game. You have to be an exceptional game that has made some kind of like mark on gaming almost. Like that's what Switch is. It has all these like milestone games that aren't even just excellent games. They're like games that are like the best of their series. And when I look at Luigi's Mansion 3, even though I do feel it's the best of its series, I still feel like I can't mention it besides something like Fire Emblem Three Houses and Breath of the Wild and feel like it deserves to be there. And mm. by by that exact same logic as well, I would ha- I'll I'll even go on a reach and say, okay, Octopath has that exact same mm. scenario. Also, yes, it's a brand yeah. new IP. Yes, it revitalized that like two D RPG genre, right? But the thing is, though, it's a multi plat game now. You can get it on Steam, and next to like other the other games that we have on this list like Fire Emblem, Breath of the Wild, Odyssey and and things like that, right? I feel like as much as we love it, if Xenoblade Chronicles 2 didn't make it on here, which is a first party game, yes Nintendo published Octopath, but why is it here at this point? As much as I hate to say that. And I know you wanted to talk about it, Jules, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, that's okay. No, I'm actually totally okay with it. I think you you said it very plainly, like, and I agree with you the way you put it. Um, I do think that when you bring that about, like, yeah, absolutely. Octopath Travelers on Game Pass. Have it installed. I really want to replay it too. This is a Nintendo podcast. (laughs) Do not mention Xbox. Thank you. We've already already mentioned Banjo Kazooie two times. So Uh, I mentioned Steve from Minecraft. So. Speaking of where both Banjo and Steve and Minecraft are, I think it's safe to take Smash off. Yeah, okay, Gino. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, no, 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 I'm no, no, actually no. like, no, I, I was serious when I, when I said that I don't think Smash should be on the I think place. you're seriously wrong. I believe you. I think we need to talk about Smash in relation to other games. Like, I don't think, I'm, like, I'll be honest with you, Gino, I don't think you'll convince us to just take it off. I think you need to make a pitch for why something else should be there more. I want to plant the seeds first. Okay, go ahead. You know, plant the Banjo seeds. has been through enough. Let's hear. Let's, I know Banjo's Banjo, been through hey, enough, Mateo. To be fair, Mateo, to be fair, it, never mind. to be fair, Mateo, Banjo and Steve don't even matter in this because we're exactly. not talking about It's irrelevant this. to the conversation. Yes. But continue. And I, and, I, and I hate to take Smash off this list because we've all thoroughly enjoyed it and we all love the hype cycle that it would bring to whenever there was a new Smash, uh, whenever we had like those Smash Directs or whenever we had the uh, Sakurai Presents or whenever we had a Nintendo Direct, we knew there was something Smash there. Smash was a vehicle to generate hype for Nintendo. Now that the game is finished, there is no hype. Yes, you have every single character, everyone is there, every Pretty much every stage in the series is there also. The thing is, though, the one thing that made Smash great wasn't the game itself. It was the hype that it generated around the Switch, around Nintendo properties. Which character is coming in? Not, hey, let's play this game and no life it for like four months straight and just play Smash. We're not competitive Smash players. Yes, we play Smash and yes, we have a lot of fun with it. But when that final character came out, we had a week and then we stopped playing. Let me stop you there. Just because you're bad at the game doesn't mean 
Smash Bros shouldn't be on the list. Hey, okay. Gino was a bad at the game. Gino dominated in the 3DS era. How it is. I did. Using your logic, Animal Crossing should be off right now. Oh, Animal Crossing shouldn't be on this list either. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Happy oh Paradise exactly. is why I play this game. Get that, get that oh off. my god. No. Get, no stop I, right no, now. No, I totally agree. Stop right now. You know, our people will get a hold of each other, okay? Your people yep. will talk to my people. I'm yep. also then going to argue using that, that Odyssey then should be off at that. Like, everything, Gino, if you're using hype as a factor, should be off the list, except essentially Pokemon Legends Arceus, just because the hype hasn't died yet for that. Just to clarify what I meant by hype and everything, right, is that, like, we all got excited around the, the, the announcements and okay, all these partnerships and things like that. I see the good that Smash has done for Nintendo and the, see the good that it's done for Switch, and I can't admit that. For me personally, the next Smash is always going to be the one that we all talk about. And yes, this is the current Smash. Part of the enjoyment of Smash is waiting for the next announcement. All the talk around Smash right now is, when's the next game coming out? You have a, there's a big game there. You have your story mode, which you play through once, and that's probably it. You have all your spirits that you level up just to get all the collectible stuff. But that there's like over a thousand spirits. That's really daunting, right? Like if a new player comes in and sits down, they're not going to complete the spirit board. They're going to play it to play with multiplayer with their friends. Exactly. That's yeah. the point. But it's the experience itself isn't the same anymore. But you know they don't know that because they're just jumping in. We're, we who cares about the 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 hype around the game? Whether regardless, because like we have Fire Emblem Three Houses on here, and like the greater audience didn't care that there was a new Fire Emblem game coming out. I don't think hype or anticipation for a game, whatever you want to call it, really matters here because it's all about the game and. There's a lot of game to be had with Smash Ultimate. Also, it's the best multiplayer game on the system, period. It's a, it's a fantastic party game. Like, we always play Smash Bros. And we've been choosing not to include Smash Bros. on every past Essentials list because we knew that, like, the most recent version is the best one. Who knows what the future is going to hold for Smash Bros. Like, if there's going to be another one or whatever. Presently, this is the best... Smash Bros. game. This is the best Switch multiplayer game. It should be on the list. And just to also just quickly say too, like if you're looking, imagine this list, you're basically telling someone that just bought a Switch, hey, five games you should buy. I do not believe you for a second that you would not say Smash Bros. Yeah, and and that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like I'm all about variety on these lists, and I do think um, like multiplayer is a very essential part of not only the Switch, but Nintendo itself. And there's no denying that there's only two multiplayer experiences on our shortlist right now. And as much as I love Mario Party Superstars, I think it's a joke to even say that Mario Party Superstars is even in contention compared to Smash Ultimate. So if it's between the two, it should be Smash Ultimate. Um, And on top of that, Smash Ultimate, the beautiful thing about Smash Ultimate and the amount of content it delivers is that whether you are somebody who has played every single Smash Bros. leading up to Smash Ultimate, or whether you're somebody new, or whether you're somebody who stopped at Melee or Brawl and hasn't played since, this game offers a vast amount of content, a vast amount of ways to play, and it's just like the perfect love letter to not only Smash Bros. and not only Nintendo, but to all of gaming in general there's so much there i understand some people don't like smash bros and that's valid but this game is like on i think it's the most impressive multiplayer game period it's the most impressive crossover game period it's the most impressive fighting game period 
whether you want to say best is very subjective because best can mean a lot of things and quality of gameplay is so subjective. But if you're taking an objective standpoint to Smash Ultimate and what it has there and what it's giving you, it is like hands down the most impressive feat I think that's ever been accomplished in any game. Like it's just it's a marvel of a game. We all we we had the joke with uh, that we we say every now and then on the podcast where Phil had lunch, right? Like that deal of Microsoft and Nintendo coming together to get Steve and Banjo did not happen inside of Smash Bros. That happened somewhere else. It happened, and it generated a lot of hype for Smash Brothers. The thing is, though, like a lot of these things that we're celebrating are things that aren't actually like okay, yes, they're physically there in the game, and you can see okay, here's Banjo fighting Sora. Which is just like completely mind blowing. We're not talking about DLC. That's eleven characters, right? Yeah, and but arguably I'm, the most hype ones. But again, I'm not talking about hype. Like that's not what I'm speaking about when I'm saying that it's a marvel of game, right? Like hype isn't the only thing, right? Like there's just so much content in that base game alone. You don't even need the DLC. It's like yeah, the hype as an experience was something like um, unbelievable, but. For example, when the Avengers Endgame was coming out or Avengers Infinity War, it was hype every single time a new actor was confirmed to be in that movie. But the, regardless of whether you were part of that journey or not, watching that that film is such a landmark for films and crossover films like in general because of what it was able to accomplish. And Smash Ultimate is no different. Like, yeah. Smash Ultimate is no different. Regardless of whether you're part of the hype cycle or not, I completely disagree with you that all the things we're talking about happened outside the game, because they didn't. Maybe for us personally, but that's not everybody's experience with Smash Bros. And in fact, it's a very small minority's experience with Smash Bros. And all the people who would have had those experiences and would have benefited from that hype cycle were already part of it. Yeah, Like, new gamers coming in who haven't been part of that would have never benefited from that hype cycle, but they will benefit from even just the thing that Smash Ultimate does where you only start with eight characters and you have to unlock the other, like, 60. Like, that in itself is a massive feat. The fact that World of Light is chock full of references to games past, not just games represented by Smash Bros., but tons of games, right? There's so much content, so much variety, so many ways to play with your friends, family, alone, like within the game that yeah the 10 dlc characters are great or 11 dlc characters are great and there's a lot of like amazing things that happen there but i don't think those things are what makes smash ultimate as incredible as it is like i do think it is hands down the most impressive fighting game period the most impressive multiplayer game period and quite possibly the most impressive like just in general game period overall package, just for what yeah. it was yeah just for what it was able to do you know something like that probably will never happen again no. and yeah and the other thing is this is the other big thing when i'm looking at this list versus smash ultimate and i'm sure we'll get to this but i don't think there is a way you can improve super smash bros ultimate like sure you can say, oh, I want this character, whatever. But Sakurai took so much care in making this game that this game is literally the perfect Super Smash Bros. experience. And when I look at Mario Party Superstars, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Metroid Dread, I love those games. I think they're incredible games, but all of them 
I have at least a few things that I could say that should have been there, should have been improved on, that were a little bit overlooked. I can't say that about Smash Ultimate. Yeah, there's nothing that was overlooked. There's too much care. Yeah, there was a lot of care. I'm not. I'm not discounting what what Sakurai did and everything, right? But like, we have the rule there of like, okay, there's no extra content, no paid content, and I feel like a lot of the value from Smash and a lot of these big wow moments that ever like all these characters that people know about. Yeah, for instance, you're bringing in Sephiroth, you're bringing in Banjo, you're bringing in Steve, you're bringing in Mithra and Pyra from all those other games, and that's where you're getting more representation. The base uh, Smash Ultimate roster. Don't get me wrong, absolutely fantastic, and I don't know how, what kind of deals they had to spin to get every single character that they had in the past back. But there was like, what, four four newcomers? And a lot of a lot of hype is generated on like the new characters and the new stages. First of all, it was like nine newcomers and more if you include the Echo Fighters, um, as well as if you include the characters that were cut that came back for the first time. Um, but in general, like, yeah, sure, you can throw out an arbitrary number like that, like, oh, there was less newcomers. But the important thing about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as a game is that it was also the very first time in Smash Bros. history, period, where they decided to use fan input to determine the characters that they were adding. And all the characters that were okay, added... I say, I, nine Jules, characters. Jules, you don't have to talk about it anymore. I get it. We've, <laughs> I get it, okay? We I have broken Gino. Like, Good. <laughs> it's not that I've been broken. It's just like, okay, whatever. It's, it's hard for me to... So the, and like this is what it will come down to for me. Like, you're allowed to be valid to whatever you want to say about Smash Ultimate. But this is what the question I have for you, Gino, because I do want you to agree to this. Do you think that a Nintendo Switch list of games would be accurate if we do not include a multiplayer game? Well, it all really depends on what you're looking for, right? I would have to say, like, you need to have some form of multiplayer and stuff on there. I do, I do agree, yes. So then it comes down to Smash Ultimate or Mario Party Superstars. Well, according to this list, it is. But according to somebody else's list, it might be different, right? So Sure. But this is list. In general. Let's, move on to, let's move on to something else. Let's move on to something else. Agree well, to no, I think we, no, but I, I really think we need to figure out now if Smash Ultimate's going on. Like, I don't think we should revisit it. We spent yeah. all this time yeah. talking about so, Smash Bros. We got to come to the decision. I say yes, it needs to be on the list. Yeah. Well, the four of you guys, you, like, I'm, I am outnumbered. So there you go. There's your answer. I feel like with Smash Ultimate, you need it in its entirety, not just the base game. But, Gino, think about it. They didn't add any new modes as DLC or whatever. They literally just added more characters and stages, right? So you're just getting more of the same thing as DLC. It's not like Breath of the Wild's actually adding, like, story content or whatever to the game. You're you're getting basically more of the same with Smash Bros. The core experience has not changed with the DLC. And that's, I think, the ultimate thing. And I, and I think for me, again, like, I, Smash Ultimate would definitely be my multiplayer game of choice, but when it comes to all Nintendo games, and I remember this back when we did our Wii Essentials list, because I remember the, the the bitter taste in my mouth coming out of our Wii Essentials list because our entire list was single player, and I felt like that was a very core missing piece of all Nintendo systems, is Nintendo is very focused on multiplayer experiences. They always have been. And it just, to me, if we only recommended single-player experiences on a home console Nintendo system, I think that we are not accurately representing what the system is there for. And so I think there has to be a multiplayer game. The two we have to choose from are are Mario Party Superstars and Smash Bros. Ultimate. And in my opinion, even if I agreed with every single criticism you had, 
I still would put Ultimate over Superstars, and I love Superstars. And it's I just because Superstars there's too. more to That's do. That's why I'm fighting so hard. But we can have both. There's no saying that we can't have Superstars, right? Like uh, these, I feel like Superstars would be on here if it had more maps and things. It's just, I guess, my own personal bias and stuff where like I don't have nearly as much fun with Smash as you guys do. And I feel like the the, mo- the most fun of Smash that I have is during the hype, watching the trailers, seeing all that stuff. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then I stop caring. Gino, at the end of the day, you just got to get good. Get good. And also, for the average player, though, I also think that like if you're trying to compare it to Mario Party Superstars, the average player would have more fun playing Smash solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's also a good point. Yeah. Um, okay. that fantastic so- day we had, you know, when Smash launched. That was another phenomenal moment. Is that so, Joe's house? Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the greatest days of my life. Stayed up all night. It was so fun. Had the cake, had the pizza. Oh, the good memories. You know what? You got me right in the nostalgia. Okay, I can concede. All right, we were at three. Then I think the next thing we do need to ask is because we're still here on this multiplayer thing is Mario Party Superstars is here. Do we want two multiplayer games on this list? And that's just a question. Is Do you think Mario Party Superstars is a strong enough game to warrant taking up another spot for another multiplayer game unfortunately i think no the, the four single player games that are on the list still i think are too strong agreed i i do agree as well only because i think which yeah it is and i and like the big difference between i think mario party superstars and smash ultimate they have the similar experiences like ultimately like your experiences with the game are based off of who you play with and the experiences and the memories you make together but there's more variety in how you can make those in smash ultimate like vastly so than in mario party superstars mario party superstars ultimately for a game that does celebrate the entire series is fairly low on some content so that's the only reason i would also say like it probably should go is like i do think like maybe if it had more content it would be more of a contender here, but I do think it it does lack a bit of content, despite the fact like that we had eight great. maps instead of five. Yeah, I'd even go ten, like ten maps more and maybe characters. Like more characters, maybe a single player mode, like whatever. But it does ultimately like the way in which we can play is like I do find myself every time I play it being like I just played this map, and then going to the next map, be like I just played this map too, and then realizing oh yeah, there's just not a lot of maps. Now we have two slots left and four games. We have Super Mario Odyssey, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Metroid Dread. I need to get a read of the room right now. How is everyone feeling about Mario Odyssey? Because I am a major fan of Banjo-Kazooie. I've mentioned this many times. Banjo-Kazooie is my favorite game of all time. But I can wholeheartedly say right now, and this might come as a shock to some people, to our beautiful listeners and to you guys, but... Mario Odyssey is the greatest 3D platformer ever made. That's coming from a Banjo-Kazooie superfan. And not only is it the greatest 3D platformer of all time, it's the greatest Mario game of all time. And I feel like Mario Odyssey not being on this list is not only a slap in the face to Nintendo, but impact-wise, it did just as much as Breath of the Wild did for the Switch. So I think it needs to be on here. Like, it's... It's definitely like, among the single player games, like it is second to Breath of the Wild. And the thing is, like that year in 2017, everyone's talk talk about game of the year was was Breath of the Wild was a landslide. But like Mario Odyssey, if it came out in any other year, it would have been the game of the year. And I feel like this game has just been overshadowed by Breath of the Wild. And I, I can't stand that. It's just 
it's so phenomenal. Like as a game, it does everything right so well. I will be devastated if this game isn't on the list. And like it, oh, it's just so friggin' good. Ugh. My my response to this is, and I will keep it at this. If this was my list, looking at the four games we have left and needing two slots, Mario Odyssey would be one of those two games, but it would be the second of my two games. And that's the only reason I'm hesitant about agreeing with it, because I'm worried that if I agree with it, then my first choice will not make the list. I'm on the same boat as you, actually, that looking at it, I agree with Mateo saying that if it came out any other year, it was just a little bit too close to Breath of the Wild. I think everything that year was too close to Breath of the Wild and coming out, that it just was overshadowed, that you couldn't appreciate fully the masterpiece that Super Mario Odyssey is. But it would, like, I agree it should be on the list, but, like, I would put it for a different game. But I don't think it should be left off. I have to agree with Mateo. Odyssey is one of those games that it's just, I feel like it needs to be here because it, it reinvigorated the 3D platformer genre. And if we're all in agreement, I think that alone, like Joe and Jules both said it's the second of of two games they would want. Gino and I both think it should be on. I think it's on. Very well. Super Mario Odyssey deserves to be on this list. And I don't disagree with you, Mateo. It's definitely the best Mario platformer, and if not, the best 3D platformer. And I had to reveal a dark secret that I think it's a better game than Banjo-Kazooie. I spilt my heart. Don't worry, Mateo. We can edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, we won't. I'm the one that does the editing. I'm keeping it. And now that you've given us an inch, I will go for the mile next time we talk about platformers. So don't worry. We have three games here. We try to eliminate one. I think we play the elimination game. Jules, which one gets eliminated in your opinion first? Pokemon Legends Arceus. Okay. And my reasoning is, is because as much as I loved Pokemon Legends Arceus and as much as I enjoyed it and as much as I put in a lot of time into Pokemon Legends Arceus, I couldn't help shaking this feeling the whole time I was playing it that my enjoyment of it was not necessarily indicative of its quality. And I think that there was a lot of things in the game that made it fun. But I do look at the game and I'm like, this game can be improved on quite a bit. Um, and I don't quite feel like it's done. Like, I like I feel like if we get a, a sequel to Pokemon Legends Arceus, that's going to be the game that I'm like, wow. Like, look at what they did to this formula that they tried out the first time, and they just, like, improved on it so heavily. But I could tell that this was a first attempt at a new game, and that's the only reason. Like, I really like the game, and I think it's really great, but I do acknowledge that I don't think it is the best version of what a game like this could be. There's still a lot of room. I'm in complete agreement with that. Like, there's definitely, compared to every other game we have here that has either been put on the the final list or is on the short list, quality-wise, it it definitely could have used more time in the oven. But Game Freak still made a phenomenal game. But, you know, it's just, there's frame rate issues and, like, my game crashed on me. And and there's, there's, there's other technical hiccups with that game that just these other games just simply don't have like with the exception of breath of the wild but like it's just something that i would have preferred it had more time but like the second go around i think will be much more successful with that game if they decide to to continue on with this formula so if it comes down to quality like then absolutely like legends arceus i think is the the weakest of the three i'm torn because 
I had so much fun with Legends Arceus, and I know it was such a huge risk for them to go out and do this, to basically just separate themselves from the traditional Pokemon formula and just go with something that's new, different, and unique. And I feel like it's different enough from the traditional Pokemon formula, but you can also see where it's been inspired by games like Breath of the Wild, right? Where like you have this open world, like this big open area, you can go and complete objectives in any order that you want, like in terms of the Pokedex, right? But you're still following this traditional linear path of a story that is inherently a Pokemon story. But this is the thing, like traditionally in our previous Essentials uh, lists, we would have to consider list diversity. And Pokemon would be, like, you know, lumped in with the other RPGs. But uh, Legends Arceus and Zelda Breath of the Wild are very similar games. Legends Arceus isn't as open world as Breath of the Wild, but it's very similar. So, like, it doesn't have the direct RPG comparable, but it has the sort of open world game comparable with Breath of the Wild. So, that's the other thing. And, like, and obviously, it is not a better game than Breath of the Wild fair i just i don't think that like personally if i'm recommending i keep going back to this game to someone i probably would put legends Arceus above a game like metroid dread like metroid dread as much as i enjoyed it it's not a game that i would write home about to recommend to a friend that just got a switch to play metroid dread metroid prime 4 comes out that's a whole probably different story but in terms of that style of gameplay I just don't think it's the style of gameplay that I would feel comfortable recommending to a friend to try because I feel like it's a very distinct and almost a niche style of gameplay now at this point. Not, I don't know about that. Like Metroidvania games are very, very popular. Like there's so many Metroidvania games that come out every year and like the Ori games, there's Hollow Knight, there's, there's Steam World Dig. There's it doesn't so appeal many... to the casual gamer, though, as much as I feel compared to, like, a Pokemon game or even Animal Crossing. But not everything has to appeal to the casual gamer, though. That's the thing. We want to have know, a, but... balanced, a balanced list. And Metroid of Dread does a, does a good job of explaining, like, yeah, it's the, it's the fifth of five games, but you don't really need to know what happened in the other games because the game catches you up. Correct. But also, like, the gameplay of it is just absolutely so... Like, it plays well and it's very snappy, but also the controls and figuring out what to do with stuff is not something that I'd recommend to just an average person or to someone that just got yeah, a Switch. I don't think you need to master the con- be able to master the controls to get through the game. And the other thing that I would like to mention, if we, if we just to say something about Metroid Dread, is if you look at our list, you have Breath of the Wild, probably a 100-hour game right there. Fire Emblem Three Houses, if you want to finish it, you're looking at the same time. Smash Ultimate has, like, you can't quantify the amount of time you put into that game. Mario Odyssey is like a 30-hour game, but Pokemon Legends Arceus, we put a lot of time into that game. Animal Crossing New Horizons, we put hundreds of hours into that game. There's nothing that has that shorter play time that you can, like, with Metroid Dread, you can play that game, like... You can speed run it, you can take your time through it, and it's not a huge time suck like all these other games are. See, but here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing, and I'm going to come from the lens of the average gamer again, like Joe. These games, every single one of them on the list that we have now, Breath of the Wild, Three Houses, Ultimate, and Odyssey, the only reason they were the time sucks they were is because every single person here is a completionist. Because every single one of those games can be achieved in a much more digestible state of like amount of time if you don't do everything 
So Metroid Dread is only a more digestible, shorter experience if you're a completionist. But for the average gamer who isn't looking to do literally everything, Mario Odyssey is a 10-hour game. Breath of the Wild can be a 10-15 hour game. Three Houses can be a 10-15 hour game. Smash Ultimate ends when you decide to stop playing it. Like Ultimately, none of these games require you to put in... They're not like Xenoblade Chronicles where you need to literally put in 80 hours to get through the main story plus a bunch of other stuff. So that's where I don't know if time and time suck necessarily matters when it comes to these games, because that's only an argument if we're talking about 100% completion. The base for each of these games to complete them is fairly low, but the amount of content beyond that, so you could spend 10 hours on any of these games, or you could spend 100 hours on any of these games, and you'd have that. The difference with Dread is between an average gamer versus a completionist, it's like six to eight hours, and that's it. Not necessarily that time's a factor, but I'm just bringing that up now that I don't think that that's necessarily something we should be equating because these aren't Xenoblade-like games where like, to even get by it at a base level, you need to put in 100 hours. Like I'll be fully transparent, too. Like The reason why I'm arguing a bit for Arceus is because that would be my fifth. But that would also, be my fifth also. At the same time... If that's not my fifth, and say I'm looking at my last choice, my last choice then would be Dread, which is what for me puts kind of Animal Crossing in, in sixth. But I'd be interested yeah. to see how you guys at least would rank these these three games. Well, Joe, I think I, I'm, gonna, like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one also. As much fun as I had with Animal Crossing, and I love that game to bits, I feel like you need Happy Home Paradise to get just to that. Out, you know. it, it, no, Happy Get Home out. Paradise. Happy Home Paradise is the thing that brought me back to Animal Crossing with a vengeance. Albeit the Harv's Island stuff was a free was a free patch, right? So that's where you can get at least a little bit better luck when it comes to okay, what villagers show up to your town. You can go talk to you can go talk to Crazy Red once a week and buy his furniture and stuff there and he resets on Mondays. You don't have to wait for him to show up on your town. If you want the bushes, leaf is permanently there and you can also get the llamas to change like for instance if you got like a really rare piece of furniture and it's one of those ones that's locked you can go to the llamas and they can like adjust it for you for bells which is like nice quality of life stuff but i feel like a lot of the stuff that you got in the happy home paradise with the wall dividers with the extra furniture and things the extra currency in the form of pokey being able to order all of that stuff and being able to convert back and forth between the two of them it's such a quality of life improvement that it can't be ignored and you do need to unfortunately put in the 25 dollars. i'm sorry i'm going to stop you right now gino and I'm going to play really hard-ass right now. Happy Home Designer is amazing. It's incredible. Does it add any quality of life to the main game? Absolutely not. Because everything you're talking about and everything you are like talking about in relation to Happy Home Designer does not go over to the main game. All that stuff is a separate experience in and of itself. Look at this list right now. Breath of the Wild, Three Houses, Ultimate Odyssey. These are games that were revolutionary for each of their respective franchises i'm sorry i don't care how much you guys like metroid dread metroid dread is not only not the best metroid game but it's nowhere near close to the best metroidvania experience to come out in the last decade it's done nothing for the series it's done nothing for the genre and it has nothing that is revolutionary for that gameplay style 
Animal Crossing New Horizons brought an entirely new way to look at Animal Crossing, something that was completely, completely revolutionary for the series to the point where it doesn't even feel like the same game. And that's why it has so much criticism, just like Breath of the Wild does, just like Three Houses does, because people are like, this isn't even the same game anymore because of how much they revolutionized the formula. And while that might be sour to some people, in my opinion, they did everything right with that game. And that game is the only game, I think, on Switch that you can mention alongside these four. And Metroid Dread just feels to me, when I put it there, and I look at the, those other four games with Metroid Dread, I just don't sit well with that. As probably the biggest Metroid Dread fan, probably out of all of us, I can understand the criticism. Like, I would probably be the only one that would be comfortable saying Dread should be the fifth and final game on the list. So I'm willing to drop Metroid Dread because, like, I understand what you're saying. But the thing is, I fundamentally disagree with Animal Crossing being on the list. Playing that, they have not solved the one issue that they've had with Animal Crossing dating back all the way to the GameCube. Unfortunately, every other game has a natural endpoint that like you can feel comfortable just putting the game down and stopping. I have it feels like a bad breakup after every single time I play Animal Crossing. And it has never been worse than it has been with uh, than it was with uh New Horizons. Because like yeah, okay, you have the the freedom to do whatever the heck you want and like I think if the pandemic didn't happen, I don't think the game would be as as popular as it is and like i think that is an undisputable fact like i felt even in, in new leaf i put a quarter of the time i put into uh new horizons i put into new leaf and i still felt ripped off at the end of that game and the same thing with all the other animal crossing games it's just it just to me it just animal crossing is the type of thing whether you either you love it or you hate it but at the end of the day it, everyone finishes that game the exact same way in like a bitter state of like, wow, I just put all the time into this and like, it just ends. It stops the free updates that like, they didn't go on long enough. Like they had just, there's a lot of things I can just rip into animal crossing right now, but I just think the biggest thing is the time commitment. And it's, I don't know, like people like Riley physically can't get into animal. Like he, he cannot get into animal crossing. He's tried. I think Justin, our friend, Justin's tried, Yako doesn't like like it's just something that I know just as many people that don't like Animal Crossing and have tried to get into it then then have just started playing it and liked it. It's like it's something to me that like I think Pokemon is more universally loved than Animal Crossing because it's going to come down to Legends and Animal Crossing. And I know it's Pokemon or Animal Crossing is going to be one of the best selling games on the system and it it helped a lot of people through a rough time. But like if you look at it at through a lens after or after the height of the pandemic or hopefully knock on wood that we're in right now is that experience is that love for this game the time commitment people are going to put into it will it be the same experience that we experienced back in march of 2020 and i think the answer is no so and i agree with you the answer is no but i think animal crossing has the diversity that it doesn't need to be the experience we had it can still be an insanely positive, great experience because most people who played Animal Crossing, even at the height of when we did, didn't have our experience. And I think that's what speaks to Animal Crossing is that every unique 
way you play is like so different and like each gamer has their own experience with that game and there is so much to discover and there is so much to do and there is so much to interact with and yeah i don't disagree with you that the breakup from that game as you will is kind of bitter and it has been throughout the series lifespan because there isn't a real end to the game but even with that like I don't know if that's enough of an issue to discredit the 200 hours that come before that breakup where you really liked it. Like it's that... it's just like it's like looking at a breakup in real life, right? Like if you had a really good relationship, no matter what, the breakup is going to be hard, but that shouldn't discredit the relationship if the relationship was good. At the same time, you can't fall into the fallacy of sunk costs because I've spent 200 hours in this game must mean it's good or must mean I have to be able to recommend it to someone. I've played thousands of hours of Skyrim. I would recommend that game to everyone because it's great. But is it on my Nintendo Switch top 10 list when that game came out on Nintendo Switch also? Probably not. Sure. But right? I'm not, it's not we, just we can, about can, the can, hours, can. right? I it's about exactly what you it, did during those hours. That's what I'm and saying. And Mateo, like, Mateo has a very valid point when it comes to when you have to eventually put the game down, right? I had all these plans that I wanted to do in my town and everything. It's just I don't give enough of a crap to go back and finish it. And it's more like if I turn it on again, I'm like, oh, crap, now I got to do this. It becomes more of a chore. The lo- Like if you have all these great ambitions and then you're just left with disappointment when you can't finish them. It doesn't take away that's from what the my time's at right now. And that's why I love Happy Home. The, the Happy Home DLC is because I can go in there, design two, three houses, get my fix of Animal Crossing and put it down. There's the whole thing where, like, I don't even... My town right now is in an unfinished state. I was in the middle of... I felt the peer pressure from my group to do something about my town. I was going to make a theme park in it. And then I stopped playing it. And I don't even want to go back in there because I'm not going to remember what I was planning. There's going to be weeds everywhere. My flowers might be dead. Uh, There's going to be a different season. There's just so many things... That like when I want like and I I'm a completionist type of player. No, it's it's difficult to get all the bugs, all the fish, all the paintings, all the the sea life things like and that you dive underwater to get. And it's just it's just at the point I'm at. It's just like I would probably never go back to playing that game. Whereas I would go back, I would at least consider going back to playing any of the games we mentioned on this throughout this entire process. So it's. I don't know. The, the replayability is dead. It's like Animal Crossing is literally the epitome of the idea of like, it's the journey, not the destination. And I look at something like Animal Crossing and the way that you play and even the natural structures of that game where you start out and the game starts out as like a cleanup game. Like you are create, like you are, you are, have different tasks and different priorities when you start the game. Then as you start cleaning up the island, residents start moving in, you have different goals. And the natural evolution of those goals has such a, like a, a defined structure that there is a natural concluding point. That's the thing. There is a natural end point which there, in which the credits roll. And I don't think it's fair to punish the game because we chose not to leave at that point because there was way more to see. And I don't think that we should be punishing the game because it doesn't, that the content keeps going. I just feel like it's very difficult for me to look at a game like Pokemon Legends Arceus, which very much is not 
the full exploration of the concept that it was. And Metroid Dread, which very much is not the best game in its series, and in my opinion isn't even close to the best game of its series, or the best in its genre, versus a game like New Horizons, which... Like, I don't think there is a question of whether or not it's the best sim game out right now or not. Like, it is. It is, It is. period. And the amount that you can do with it is insane. And the amount of social connections you can build through it. Like, it's not just a game. It's like a lifestyle. It occupies your time. It allows... And you can play it your own way. Some of, Like, we played it... 20 hours a day every day for two months versus like i know people's moms who would go on it for 10 minutes like gino's saying water the plants talk to a couple villagers buy the things in the shop put it down and feel you know satisfied after and i feel like really the essentials list needs to be us taking a step back from our personal experiences and putting other people's like potential experiences first and i do think that of these three games the one that will offer the most to any gamer, if I was telling them pick up pick up a Switch and buy these games, I will always recommend Animal Crossing. I would not recommend Metroid Dread because I think Metroid Dread, just like you guys said about Animal Crossing, there's just as many people you know that don't like it that do. The same can be said about Metroid. The difference being Metroid doesn't have as much to offer as Animal Crossing. And then Legends Arceus, you know, it's hard for me to separate myself from the novelty of the game so i don't feel fully comfortable putting it on and i also just don't feel like it's at the level of these other games i really do feel like animal crossing had that care had that you know like passion put into it had that heart in it it was the first animal crossing game in 10 years and it was phenomenal i just don't think in 2022 it's something that you go back to and recommend to someone i would not recommend animal crossing to someone right now even if they not. had never played it? No, no. Not even if they ever played it. No. The time for it's past, at least this this version of it. And I genuinely think that looking at our games available, I just, I wouldn't. Like, I've only felt, like, Breath of the Wild was the first time I ever felt something crazy about a game where I literally felt like it was an experience that as I was playing it, I need to stop, take a breath, and remember it. And the only other two games since Breath of the Wild I've felt that way for were Fire Emblem and Pokemon. And even Pokemon, I went through it pretty quick. So I haven't played it now in probably two weeks. So I could say my novelty's past it. And I genuinely could still say I do still think it deserves to be number five. At, like As close as Animal Crossing is, I just I can't recommend it to someone now that this time has passed. Okay, well, I feel like we're all at odds here. Well, um, we can drop Metroid Dread. Like I'm telling you, like yeah, I, I was willing Dread to drop Metroid De- Dread last time <laughs> I talked, but I know well, it's like, irrelevant because it's going to be between Pokemon and Animal Crossing. Here's the thing: is it doesn't sound like it's between Pokemon and Animal Crossing because it does feel like all of you are very opposed to Animal Crossing. So I actually do feel like it's actually between Dread and Legends Arceus. And if I'm being honest with you guys, like as much as I think Legends, or sorry, that Dread shouldn't be here with these other four games, and that the only other game that makes sense to be said beside these games is New Horizons, I think even more so that Legends Arceus shouldn't be here. And I really like Legends Arceus, but that's why I don't want it here, is because I know that the only reason I'm mentioning it is because I like it, because really... It's a good game because Pokemon is the series that it is. It's not a good game because I think it's really that well designed. I think it 
has very blatant flaws and I think it has very blatant areas of improvement. And I think it doesn't do its concept to its fullest. But to your average gamer though, I think that they would appreciate it more than the other games at this point in time. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm torn. Like I really, really love Metroid dread, but like, I don't think any, nothing I can say right now can convince anyone else. Otherwise, I really don't think that, like honestly, I can like, toss a coin between Arceus or or Dread at this point. I feel like the way that, like again, like going back to with what I was saying about Animal Crossing, I I feel like for me personally, the only way I can continue playing that game is through the DLC. And we said there's no DLC on this list, so I'll, geez, that's I, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't realize that you guys would put Animal Crossing last. Like for me, it goes Legends and pretty close. It's Animal Crossing, but it's just from the fact that I feel like I can't recommend Animal Crossing like at this point in time. You need you needed That's to play Animal Crossing why. at the time everyone else on the planet was. It's kind of like Wordle, right? Like everyone's doing mm. it right now, and in a few months, not, it's not going to be a thing. I not still fully, disagree with that. Not fully. Not fully. Because the that's the thing is the way I look at it too is Animal Crossing. The first like fifty to like seventy hours of that game was not a social thing. It was everything that came after and everything that came after is what soured our experiences with it. And that's where I'm like, I genuinely think that now's the best time to play Animal Crossing. The best time to play it is absent from when everybody else is playing it, because then you can have a very contained personal experience with it that doesn't get intruded by this need to keep up with people around you. Because the only reason I kept playing as long as I did is because everybody else was and everybody else was making their town really great and everybody else was getting the perfect plants. And I felt like I needed to keep up. But had I not had that social aspect, like I probably would have stopped at the natural point, which is like, I've done everything I wanted to do. And now I can put the game away and play something else. And I think that's why I feel like now I would recommend it more so than back then, because it, it does now fit. And like, I think it does appease what Mateo was talking about with that, like bitter breakup. Like, I don't think most people would have that anymore. Cause I don't think people are going to play it the way we did back then. I think they very much are going to like put time into it, be patient with it, like have a personal journey and then let it go. Yeah, I know. We still have that bitter breakup at the end of it too, because you never really finish what well, you want to do. I never finished though, my I town think. in new leaf. That's aside outside of the social pressures. And even before, like we started hanging out with wild world, I never got to finish the town though in my house and stuff the way I wanted to. And that's even with like the three story nook building that has all the furniture at every time of the day, plus Sahara and all that other stuff that that was just blatantly sure. this game. Right. And sure, but again, I think we really need to take a step back of who we are as players because we are all completionists. Yeah. And most people are not like that. Like, my sister played the game, and her town, when I go look at it, from the beginning, it's full of weeds. Like, everything is, like, poorly put together. But she has a blast with that game, and she's not concerned with perfection the way we are. And that's where I feel like we're really discrediting this game based off of the way we choose to play it. Whereas I think it just offers so much more than just what we have defined as Animal Crossing. And that's why I think the game should be here, is because just like with Three Houses, just like with Breath of the Wild, just like with Odyssey, that you do have a lot of choice in the way you choose to approach the game, and the amount you want to play it, the things you want to complete, and the things you don't want to complete. And there's no denying that that game just has like care, love, and polish put into it. 
the amount that sure. let you cannot argue that Legends Arcus has that because it does not. It does to a degree in some areas, but you cannot compare the two. And yeah, I know that's a lot of like, like I'm not faulting Game Freak and Pokemon Company. I know their structure is very different, but that's where I'm just like, I don't know if Legends Arcus should be mentioned alongside what I believe are four of the most impressive games in video game history, not just on this system. Like the four we have up there are potentially four of the best games of all time, not just four of the best Switch games. And it's like Legends Arceus and Metroid Dread, I think, I don't know. Like I, as much as I love Legends Arceus, I still don't think I would even ever try to say it's the best Pokemon game and same thing with Metroid Dread whereas I think Animal Crossing has that like I think Animal Crossing does have that it is very arguably the best Animal Crossing game and is very arguably the best simulator game and is very arguably one of the best experiences you will have on this system yeah something with the magic though of Arceus like I don't know looking at everything else aside that you mentioned it still has this magic about it which I don't feel is tied at any point to a point in time of your life in terms of being animal crossing was special because of the pandemic and sure it would have been a good game either way but that's what made it really special and again not trying to discredit it but i just feel like anytime anyone picks up pokemon legends that it's it's just different compared to the other two games okay just really quick gino like rank them one two and three of your picks that's honest. Just don't no argument, nothing. Just give one, two, three. Honestly, it's between Arceus and Dread just because the value I get out of Animal Crossing is because of the DLC. And I've said that multiple times. And it hurts me to say that. Okay, Mateo, go. My one, two, three is Metroid Dread is one, Arceus is two, Animal Crossing is three. Okay. Giuliano? Um, Animal Crossing is a distant one, followed by Metroid Dread, and then quite a ways away is Legends Arceus. So mine's Legends, and then Animal Crossing, and then Dread. The thing is, though, for me, I, I really feel like it's a three-way tie, but just because of the stipulation we have about the DLC, that's why I'm not picking Animal Crossing. We just literally had, if we discount Gino, because he just said it could go either way, we literally just had a three-way tie. Yeah. And it's like, I almost like, like, I'm looking at the stipulation of, like, the DLC, and it's like, I don't know, Gino, it's just like, it drives me nuts because it's like, I don't, like, I agree that Happy Home Paradise is great. And I know you loved that game. And I know you really like that experience. But I, I just, like, I don't know. I just don't think Happy Home Paradise is essential to the Animal Crossing. It's like literally a different experience, you know? It's like, it's not actually adding something. In fact, the only things that I think were essential to Animal Crossing were the free updates like those were things that it was missing at the time that it came out that now are there and that's another reason why i feel it should be here is because a newcomer gets to experience all those things we didn't get to experience that they've added since and that we'll never get to experience because we were naturally off of that train by the time they came out and so like i don't know like i just think that game has so much to offer i what you said though jules it it's a very, very good point. Like, I didn't even think of that really. Like, people playing now would have that day, like, day one from when they start playing the game, they would have the access to Harv's Island, which does make what I felt was a severely flawed experience in the base game when we started playing a lot more bearable. But 
uh, is that enough for me to change? Like, I'm considering changing my mind, but I don't know. I'll swap. It's... I don't mind. I'll swap. Because I don't think we're going to be able to make a decision either way. And also, I can't say myself, although I really think Arceus is that good of a game, it deserves to be fifth. In a month from now, I might not think that. Because, who knows, maybe it's still just nicely in my mind. Uh, I flopped to Animal Crossing. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, my biggest thing with Animal Crossing is that I always felt my excitement personally from Animal Crossing, and partially other people's, is playing with other, like, playing with others. But looking at it just as a base game, it still is fantastic. But looking between Dread and Animal Crossing, because it doesn't sound like Legends is going to be going anywhere, I would pick Animal Crossing. And it kind of sounds like Animal Crossing does deserve to be there more than Dread. And if I'm dropping Pokemon, I don't mind flipping over to Animal Crossing. Yeah, and we're, we are kind of like splitting hairs for like the top 1% of the Switch games out there. Like these are all fantastic, right? Like all of these are top 10 as of right now. Yeah, maybe I am viewing uh, viewing Animal Crossing more through like a through a pair of sunglasses. Like it's a little darker than I remember it, but it was it was a lot of fun. I can agree to that. Well, then I think that settles it. Then, <laughs> if Gino, if you're willing to to change your mind, then Animal Crossing then is the number five. Jules did make some very good points about certain things. I still think that not for anything. I still think if we didn't put Smash on here, we'd all be happier. But no. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my hot take. I get that you, I, you know, had had the group agreed with you, Gino, that Smash wouldn't be on the list, I probably would have just DC'd and left. <laughs> just straight up rage quit, done. <laughs> just like everyone else in, in Elite Smash. Jules, take us through the, the final list. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Super Mario Odyssey, and Animal Crossing New Horizons. So that is our Switch Essentials asterisk part one. Why is it part one, you may ask? Because the Nintendo Switch is not at the end of its lifespan. It has been reiterated many times that it is in the middle of its lifespan. Um, and we didn't want to disrupt the natural flow of our Nintendo console essentials series. We decided that after Pokemon Legends Arceus, we would do the Nintendo Switch Essentials for the first half of its lifespan. When we reach the end of Nintendo Switch's lifespan, we will do a part two that will comprise of games that came out post-Legends Arceus. Um, and then we will have a part three where we duke it out between this list of five games that we've just given you and our second list of five games and determine over the course of its entire lifespan which five are the most essential Nintendo Switch games. And that one will be, I think, much harder than this one. That'll be the Bloodbath Part 2. Yep. That one will be very <laughs> difficult. Yep. Although... So I- I will say it will be difficult in some regards, but I do think in other regards it won't be. Because yeah. I think there will be for all of these games, there might be natural combatants on the second list. Yeah. So then it won't be necessarily we're fighting over like which of the five of the ten games should be on here, but we might be like, which Zelda game should be on this list. Oh or yeah, there's going to be a Breath of the Wild on the second Mario list. game should be on this this game so or on this list, right? So like it might not be as as much of a battle as we think. Anyway, I guess that brings us to the end of today's quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button below. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas you have for upcoming icebreakers. Share your thoughts. Let us know what we got right. Let us know what we got wrong. Let me know what you think of Smash Bros. Anyways, that's it from us here at the Hub World. Mateo, 
Any last words? Microsoft, make a new banjo game. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.